Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the Quirk and Lean podcast. My name is Zach Lowy. I'm the co-founder of Breaking the Lines. Here today with the founder and creator of Sporting 160 EN, uh, one of the best accounts to follow if you want to uh, stay up to date with the reigning Portuguese league champions. And his name is Sam Fonseca. Sam has already uh, done one episode with us this season. Really excited to have him back on. Um, how are you doing, Sam? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you, mate. Thank you for the kind words as well. Um, if you do want to follow us on Twitter, if, if you are a sporting fan, I'd recommend. Maybe not if you're another fan of, of any other team, because I'll admit uh, we are quite biased over there. We, we love our club, and we, we we have different opinions sometimes, but you know, it's, it's all for the love of the club. But I, I'm really glad to be back on. Thank you, Zach, for having me back on. It was really fun the first time, and hopefully you can go with a repeat and, and have another great episode today. Absolutely. It was a great fun having you on the last time. Great fun as well of being on the Sporting 160 EN podcast. Wow, that was about a month ago, and a lot has yeah. changed since then. I remember, I think we were doing the prediction. This was right before the Ajax game. And I think that I was the only one who predicted uh, Sporting to lose. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like I said, bias beyond sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we all, all got a vote for hey, the win. And then, yeah. I have my fair share of terrible predictions, so don't worry about it. But yeah, I think Ajax went 2 1, ended up winning 5 1. And of course, they ended up losing to Dortmund. Since then, been a, you know, a promising run of form for uh, Sporting, who defeated Aruka in a very close match before international break. Beat uh, the original Belenense, shall we say, in the Tasa de Portugal. Um, defeated Besiktas in a very comfortable 4 to 1 uh, margin with goals from Pablo Sarabia, Paulinho, as well as a brace from Sebastian El Patron Watts. Um, sure, we'll talk about him a little bit more. And recently, grabbing a 1 nothing victory, very slim win. Uh, Against Morenich. Now, this was a very interesting game. Um, Morenich, you know, are a team that will typically, that I, I would say similar to most teams outside of the, the top three, you know, that want to stoke up pressure, play defensively, maybe eke out a win, but, you know, are, are mainly focused on defending and, and not leaking opportunities, right? And we saw that with Scoring dominating 66% possession, 15 shots to Morenche's five. It was clear what Joao Henrique's side came out to do. But uh, Sporting, just after conceding a really good chance to Morenche, taking the lead early on from Sebastian Boatz, once again, is a center back. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you wouldn't believe so, would you? <laughs> wouldn't believe so, looking at his record. I mean, Boatz, just one game, just literally days after scoring a brace against Besiktas. Koats gets the vital goal to lead them to a one nothing victory. And, you know, Koats is no stranger to, to goals in big moments. Scored an 83rd-minute goal uh, against Donetsk's side last season. I would see Sporting tie it up and equalize in the 96th minute. Grabbed a goal. A 93rd-minute winner against Santa Clara. I remember that match scored a brace against Jill Vicente 
both of those goals coming in the last 10 minutes lead them to a come behind win. You know, he really is Mr. Clutch. And um, there are various games where I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say he is probably Sporting's biggest attacking threat. <laughs> but yeah, talk to me a little bit about not just the goals, but what Sebastian Kowatz brings to the team. Just how important is he to Sporting's defense? I think if you look at it on, on sort of face value, a lot of people remember Cuartes from being at Liverpool and then being a part of Sunderland's team, which eventually got relegated. But ever since, I'd say that the first two seasons under George Jesus when he came in, he was phenomenal. Um, I don't think he was as good as he was then as he is now. Um, I think that has a lot to do with Ruben Amarim. The season before we won the league, he went viral. And this was like something my friends were sending to me. I'm not sure if you remember, I can't remember the exact game. He gave away three penalties, so like a hat-trick of penalties. And he that season, a lot of people were calling him to, to be let go, to be sold. He, he signed a contract renewal in probably his worst season at the club. And to be to give him all the credit in the world, you see the improvement that he's made. And I, wherever that's something to do with him personally or just Ruben Amorim, he's come in and he's definitely improved his defensive game, you know, um, for people outside of sporting might not realise that we call him El Patron. It's, it's for a reason. He he commands the defence. You know, he's got Vidal, who's obviously got experience in, in big leagues like Spain and obviously in the Morocco national team. But then he's had people decide of him throughout the years. So Jeremy Mathieu, who's, I mean, didn't have the best time at Barca, but when he came to sporting was a fan favourite instantly. Now going from Jeremy Mathieu to, I don't want to say a, a similar player because it's definitely not, there yet, but Gonzalo Inacio has that sort of characteristics of, of a Matthew. He, he's comfortable on the ball, great passer, uh, that, that assist, he gets a lot of assists from, from centre-back, and these are like long balls, these aren't just like like sort of like hit and hopes. Um, but I think what it does, does sort of command the defence, and he makes everyone around him better. That includes Jalpolino in front of him, and Braganza, who we'll talk about a little bit later on, I'm sure, but the, the, it's almost like a meteoric rise for, for Coates because he, like I said, he went from sort of being on the outskirts of not really liked by sporting fans a lot, especially towards the end of that um, the Marcel Kaiser season and and Stilas and all of these interim coaches we had. But I've got to give credit to the man. Um, I actually got his um, jersey last year. I'm not sure if you can see it. It's actually hanging on the wall there, framed. I went to um, London which was um, uh, a nuclear sporting, which is like um, a sort of cafe or pub um, based on sporting. I went there to watch the, the title celebrations. And, you know, I, I said, I'm going to frame the jersey. He was the one who lifted it. I've never seen up until that moment sporting win the league. And for him, to be the captain lifting it, 100% deserved. I'm so, I don't know the man, but I'm proud of him. And it makes me proud to see the progression of not just him, but the whole club in general. And I think that Kuwaitis is 100% the main, one of the main parts in that. Yeah, I think, you know, with Ruben Diaz gone, I think there is a strong argument to be made that Kuwaitis is the best centre-back in Portugal right now. You have other plays, players like Pepe, um, Jan Vertonghen, right? Nicolas Otamendi, so on, so on. But I, I think that Kuwaitis probably on top right now. Um, Sporting, going with, you know, a variation of their 3-4-3 against Modern Inch, Gonzalo Inacio back in the defense after missing some time due to injury alongside Quats and Mateus Reis, your boy, your favorite Brazilian player, Mateus Reis, continuing to start over Zuhair Fidal. 
on the left side of that back three. No surprises with the attack in Pablo Sarabia, Pedro Gonçalves, and Paulinho, or the wingbacks, Pedro Porro, those Nuno Santos, who has continued to establish himself in that new position of left wingback and taking over for Nuno Mendes after his departure to Paris Saint-Germain. But what really caught my eye, though, what was really intriguing for me, was the double pivot of Joao Paulinho and Daniel Braganza. Braganza, a player we've talked a lot about, uh, starting over Mateus Nunes and uh, dropping a phenomenal performance in the heart of midfield. Talk to me a little bit about this Braganza performance. I mean, at what point do we are, are we talking about? You know, a player who who should be starting. What what does Braganza bring to the team? Because it see for me from my perspective, this is a very unique and special talent. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to agree, but the thing is, and it's difficult for me when I'm is do you change the formation to include Matthews Nunes, Braganza, and Polina? Because we talk about Braganza, but Matthews Nunes has also been a fantastic midfielder ever since joining from Estoril. But I think at the end of the day, I think Braganza offers that bit more creativity than Nunes, and that's no disrespect to, to Nunes to play, because I think he's, he's quality as well. But it's just... Can you give reason for dropping Matthews Nunes? I don't think so. Can you give reason for dropping Braganza? Not really either. And Polini is never being dropped. He, he's not part of that conversation. He, he's in there for the long haul. And I think he's got a switch up formation to include Braganza and Matthews Nunes. But Braganza, the last few games, have been absolutely phenomenal. And I think this was the perfect game for him. Morant said they had the pressure on, had the pressure on them, keeping the ball away from us. And I think that unlocks Braganza's creativity. It's just got such a good football in IQ, I think. And to unlock the game and read the game the way he does reminds me of like a, a pure midfielder that you see, I don't know, Iniesta back in the day, you know, Xavi and all of those. I'm not comparing the player right now, but like he has elements of his game that reminds me of those players. And I think Braganza is one of these people that we're going to be talking about, whether it's at Sporting, whether it's at Premier League, Serie A, um, Spanish League, I, I think he, he can do it all, and I think it's only a matter of time before he is the next one called up to the national team. You know, Matthias Nunes got that call recently, as well as the Brazilian call went for Portuguese. But Brianna is just a fantastic player, and we talked about him last time, saying he deserves more opportunities. And he's literally grabbed them with both hands, played so, so well. But like I said, it's, it's what's Amarim going to do? Does he start Pelin? Sorry, does he start Pelinha and Matthias, or? Braganza and Pellinia, or did you start all three? It's really a, a, a good situation, but one of these players is going to be missing out. But Braganza, for me, top-notch, and I know we'll get into the actual game in a bit, but definitely the man of the match for me in this, this game, and definitely was in the last game as well. What a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Absolutely. Sporting, uh, keeping keeping pace with Porto and Benfica, level on points with the Dragoish, and uh, just one point behind Benfica. Um, Mordrinch, on the other hand, Mordrinch just one point above the relegation zone in 14th. A lot of players uh, who who have impressed me on this team, I have to say. I mean, looking at like the Rodrigo Conceição, Sergio Conceição's son, I thought he had a very good game in the right wing back position. Um, another player, Ibrahima Kamara, playing in the double pivot midfield. Surprisingly, Actually, does uh, as as relegated Philippe Suarez to the bench. Philippe, another very talented uh, Benfica product, 
who who we've talked a lot about, but only played um, I think like ten minutes against Sporting. I was I was very surprised that Joan Enriquez did not bring him on earlier. Um, I felt like the game was there for the taking for for their perspective. But impressive performance from Ibrahima Kamara. Another player though that we've talked a lot about that on this Motor Ranch side is Abdu Conte. Conte, you know, an ex Sporting player, player who spent some time in Sporting's academy and had a very good uh, season at Modern Inch, has really come into his own in, in, under João Henriquez and, and even earning a call-up and, and starting for Portugal in the U21 Euros. Um, I thought he was a very dangerous threat against Sporting, you know, despite not getting the victory. Uh, it was a really impressive performance from Conte. Three tackles, six out of seven ground duels won, uh, two key passes. Stats don't tell the full story, but I think it's fair to say that he was their biggest threat. I nearly set up Rafael Martins with an early goal um, right before Coates' uh, winner. It, it makes me wonder, though, because, you know, Sporting may or may not uh, exercise their purchase clause on Rubin Vinagre, who, as we know, was, you know, brought in after his impressive loan spell from Alicao. As, as the long-term successor to Nuno Mendes. And I think that Vinagre actually started off the season decent, but when Nuno Mendes left for Paris Saint-Germain on the final day of the window, I'm not sure if you agree with this, but for me, there, there's a very colossal uh, drop in form from Vinagre. I think the pressure may have got to him after that horrific performance against Ajax. It seems like he's kind of faded away. I, I'm not sure when was the last time he played. Or sporting, he sort of faded away from Amorim Clint. So, you know, not 100% sure if they are going to uh, exercise their purchase option on Vinagre, especially with Nuno Santos doing fairly well in this left wing back position. Could you could you possibly see sporting making a move for Abdu Conte or, or any other player on this modern end team? Yeah, I mean, last time I was here, I was saying that I think he would have been a great left-back choice also when we were asking. They went with with Wendell from, from Bayer Leverkusen, who, who I mean, I, I think he's a good player, but I would have loved to see Conte make that jump. And I saw a tweet going the other day, I can't remember who it was from, but it was saying that Vinagre, I think it's, what, 10 million for, for the clause to, to get him permanently. And there's, we spent uh, 5 million on his bio and and all these defenders we brought in when Conte was right there probably could have got him for under two million. Would you say three million? I think would have done the trick. But what? I real quick though, I want you to keep going. But what, what have you made of Ishkaya? I I personally like this guy. I think he does his role well. He's a backup, and I think we all knew he's not getting rid of Pedro for anytime soon. But the good thing about this guy is he's versatile. He can play the right wing, the right wing back. He play right wing, left back. He could even, I reckon, he could do a job at centre back if needed, and he was tested against in in Ajax, you know, which went horribly. But I, I think he's one of those players that you love to have in your squad because he can fill so many holes. I think I, I can imagine him being frustrated with the playing time he's got, considering he was the number one undisputed star of Barga from them being sort of a, a backup from 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 Pedro Porro. But that's that's no sort of knock on him because Pedro Porro, like we said, is is fantastic, fantastic player. But I really do like this guy. But I, I, I love, I do love um, Abdul Conte, and I think he is ready to make that step up. Whether it's to Sporting, Porto, Benfica, you know, he could do a job for. I, he really seems to be like someone that the Spanish league would, would take, and 
and sort of mould into a bit of left back. I think the opportunity is ready, ready for him, and I don't see him being at Morient's um, next season. Very good win for Sporting, and and I agree with you. I, I think that it is going to be a headache for Ruben Amorim thinking, you know, how do we fit in Bragança? Do I have to change the system? How do we fit in both those players? It, it's going to be a bit of a headache for him, but it's also a good headache to have. You know what I mean? Sporting. Uh, taking on Famalico in midweek action and then facing off against Vicoria de Guimaraes. Famalico, you know, helping kick off this, the, the weekend on Friday and defeating Santa Clara, their first league victory of the season under Ivo Vieira, taking the lead right before halftime via Simon Banza. Santa Clara going down 10 men just after the break and Simon Banza getting another goal from the penalty spot and getting sent off due to time wasting, which I thought was a bit ridiculous. Kind of whatever. Referee is trying to be protagonist as usual. But, you know, Simon Bonza is, has been one of the players who I think has impressed me the most on this Malikov team. Obviously been a, a poor start for them. But Bonza, 25 years old, joining on, on loan from Len after Arnard Kalimwendo had it had returned from Paris Saint-Germain and joined Lan on loan. Banza, that's that's now four goals in his last three games, right? He opened the scoring against Victoria, got a goal against Academica, got a brace against Santa Clara, and of course he got a brace to start his Malikal career against Morenche. What have you made of, of Simon Banza? Just how important do you think he's going to be to this Malikal side in their efforts to, to not only stay up but to challenge for Europe, Europe potentially, you know, I, I'm I'm curious what what are, what your thoughts are on on him. Yeah, you know, uh, like I said last time I was here, I'm not the biggest fan of Familiacal, the team, the fans, the just the whole project. I really I really dislike Familiacal. Obviously, sort of a bogey super sporting, never beating them since they've been promoted. But they had a have a really really poor start, and Fanzer is is a good player for them. But I think the issues lie elsewhere. Their defense is not very good. And watching that game against Santa Clara, they had loads of opportunities to score. But Marco Pereira in goal for Santa Clara was absolutely fantastic, especially in the first half. The goal he conceded was a bit sort of offset piece. It does happen, but I thought he was 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 very good for that first half at least. The 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 penalty that was given to Milical, I don't know what you thought about it. I thought it was soft. I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty. It was definitely soft. And I think if you go down and the referee gives a penalty, there's no other option to give a red card. Whether I think it's harsh, which I do, is I, I, I just think, you know, it's Portuguese league, that's going to be called 10 times out of 10. But I, I felt felt quite sorry for Santar in that aspect. But fans are time-wasting. Like you said, I don't think I've ever seen that happen in, in Portuguese league. And considering how much time-wasting goes on, we both watched a lot of games, especially against like the big three or even Braga and, and Guimarães. The, the teams that they play against all time waste and it's never ever sort of actioned. But like you said, refs taking center stage is isn't is no nothing new to, to League of Win. I, I really think from Lecao needs to make some changes in, in January. I'm not sure if that comes from you know, they're very good at getting loan players in from top clubs and top leagues. I think they have to sort of repeat that and just hope they get lucky at one point. And they've got I give them credit, they've got such good scouting scouting team getting in uh, Pedro Gonzalez, who is sort of floundering at walls, and they've got uh, Asuncio and just 
so, so many players, like even Vinagre as well, floundering at walls and all of these players, you can argue the George Mendes factor does help, and of course it does, but it's also great to have um, for a team like Familia Cal. I don't know if it's the, the tactics or it's the players that something needs to change, and same with Santa Clara. That if you told me at the start of the season that these two teams would be fine off relegation, I wouldn't have believed you. But looking at their performances, I think they are both in, in very big trouble. Absolutely. I think that some uh, have the quality to turn around. I'm not sure about Santa Clara really seeming to miss Carlos Jr., which we talked about. I do think that Thomas, you know, they need to improve defensively. Um, Alex Petra and Alex Nascimento have been a decent pairing, but I, I think that personally I would like to see them try to get Noel Perez on loan again. Uh, hasn't, hasn't really played much at Udinese and uh, obviously had a phenomenal season there uh, just a few years ago. But a lot of quality players in that squad, Ivan Jaime, Heriberto Tavares, uh, Charles Pickle. You know, I, I expect them to stay up. I'm I'm a bit more worried about Santa Clara personally, but uh, still a lot of football to be played. And you know, this this weekend we saw two scoreless draws. Uh, one of them going between Boavista and Belenenses side. The other coming up against Paso Superior and Aruca, with you know Pasos going down to ten men from Nuno Santos, the Benfica one, not the Benfica Loni, not the Sporting one. That we've talked a lot about as well. And Pasos holding on to a 0 0 draw via Andre Ferreira, who made six saves. Uh, so, not a bad result for them, who remain in ninth. Aruka, on the other hand, in 16th. I'm curious, you know, I, wh- what have you made of Aruka so far? I, I know that they played sporting just a few weeks ago, I think right before the international break. 16th, so currently in the relegation spot, but obviously, uh, you know, there are just four points between Aruka and in 16th and Passos in ninth, So that really tells you like how much, how thin I would say the gap is, you know, between, between mid table, whatever that may be and relegation zone. I'm, I'm curious though, what, what have you made of Aruka so far this season under Armando Evangelista? Do you feel that they have what it takes there? It's difficult because you could say from, looking from, let's say, 10th or 11th downwards, that all of those teams would be candidates, candidates for relegation. Bombella, I think, will be fine. I think they've just got to find their footing and, and they'll be okay. But everyone else in, in that bottom half at the moment is is looking is not looking good. You know, Belenens sat dead last. Um, Santa Clara is where we spoke about, considering how close they were to getting into Europe as well. It's such a letdown. And then obviously selling their best players abroad. You know, I'm, I'm not uh, in charge of a, of a football club, but that's not how I run it personally. But uh, it's difficult for Aroca because the other two teams who've been promoted have been somewhat decent. Vizela especially have been, I wouldn't expect them to be 12, you know, they're still still near that relegation zone, but I think they, they've held their own. We'll talk about their game recently, but even against us when we played them, I think it was the first match day, I was, was very impressed with, with how they performed and everything. But I... I, I still think Aruka, I don't think they have what it takes to stay up. I think if I were to make a prediction right now, and obviously like I said, still a lot of games to play, I think Santa Clara, with what they've done, I think they've ruined it. Unless they, they sign some, some players in January, they've got the funds, it seems. They've, they've sold, they made record sales and they've sold their best players. At the moment, I see Santa Clara going down. I would 
put Belenense and Oroca there. I think Jordan goes in, but maybe I'd say Belenense, Deadlock, Oroca, and then Santa in the relegation playoffs for me. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the, those three teams probably best bet for the for to go down Santa Clara, Belenense, Sad Aruca. Um, yeah, I think that that would probably be my pick as well. But of course, you've got teams like you know Tondela, Marichmo, Vizela. You know, I I think that it's it's going to be another very interesting relegation fight, no doubt. Talking a little bit about another promoted team, though, Vizela, nearly picking up a point against Benfica, who are skating on thin ice at the moment. I mean, obviously had a perfect start to the season under George Jesus, losing. 0-1 at the Estadio of the Luz against Porto Monench, um, losing 4-0 to Bayern Munich. I would argue that that's the le- least embarrassing of the three past results we've seen. And uh, just barely beating Vizela 1-0 via a 98-minute goal from Rafa Silva. Are you concerned at all? I, concerned is not the right word. I know you want Benfica to lose every game possible. I am happy. But, um, <laughs> What what have you made of Benfica's recent form? Do you think George Jesus perhaps needs to switch things up to prevent them from getting stale? If I'm being honest, they're still the favourites for me for the for the title, and you know recent form might suggest otherwise. But I I generally obviously they didn't want to lose to Bayern, but I don't think losing four 0 to Bayern is reflective of what Benfica are currently. And to be honest, I don't think there's any shame of losing 4-0 to Bayern. Obviously, it's a game you want to win, but it's Bayern Munich, one of the best teams consistently over, what, last 10, 15 years? So they have a great team and the quality is definitely, definitely shown. But I think there's, it's not time to hit the panic button yet for Benfica. There were times, especially during this game, the defence was really sloppy and not paying attention to, to the like sort of rebounds. Fizella were lucky to not score off a few rebound goals from from saves from the Benfica keeper. But I will give a shout out to to Charles, the Fizella goalkeeper. He was absolutely phenomenal. Some of the saves he made, that what that one volley from Rafa Silva was like such a good save. I when I was watching the game, I literally had to stop and like, did he actually just save that? And for me, Charles was this man in the match, and I thought it was very unlucky. To, to concede that really late goal, 97th minute. All Vizela had to do was just keep the ball, don't lose position, and, and it was nil-nil, and that's a point well-deserved for Vizela. But, you know, it, it, it does happen. You lose possession, and then Benfica's counter-attack is so dangerous. Rafa Silva especially has been in great form for them. I've been really disappointed with, with Everton ever since he's joined Benfica. You know, coming off, is his great season in Brazil, and he had all this hype around him about going to the Premier League and and, and everywhere else. He's really disappointed, and I think I don't see Benfica holding out much longer on him. I think they're going to try and maybe flog him in January or next summer for definitely a discount from what they bought him for. But I, I definitely think there's no reason for Benfica fans or Benfica to hit the panic button. You know, you could say. You could say the Porto Minutes game was definitely a shock, but a loss is going to come somewhere. And you'd rather have it early on the season to sort of work out your flaws than, let's say, have it late on when you're in neck and neck in the title race or or anything like that. I don't think it's time to panic yet. If, the, let's say, they play next week and they lose or they draw, okay, then it's, it's time to start panicking. But like we said, Bayern Munich is definitely not anything to worry about. Porto Minutes, 
it happens. You do have those games. Sporting were very lucky not to have them last year, like we said. We had Kwate scoring 98-minute goals as well. So I'm not I'm not going to complain about the, the added time because it happens everywhere in Portugal. It's not just a Benfica or a Sporting. So, but Benfica's defence looks sloppy to me. Like I said, getting those those rebounds. Lucky that Bazella missed. If I were George Jesus, I would try and change a few things. I would try to get another striker in January. I don't think Darwin or, or Seferovic is are up to standard. Darwin has looked good in points, but I don't think he's what they need at this point. Seferovic is the same. He can get you 20 goals a game. Last year, I think he got, what, 23 in the league? But if you watch Benfica, he should have had 33, 43. He missed so many chances for them. And I think that's, that's going to add up. So I think if I'm George Jesus, I get, I would say, another striker and another centre-back, and hopefully you should be good. I mean, the defence is old. Uh, definitely Andre Almeida right back he's 31 coming off a really bad injury the Tongan has been slowing down for a while Otamendi is still old I really do like Lucas Prisma I think he's probably the future of their defence reminds me of what Luis Dow could be for them sort of that long long longevity that he had and being sort of the manager the, the manager of the defence should I say I, I really do like him and I think they should sort of build the defence around him I think they should start to, to build around Grismo. Grimaldo is always a consistent player. I don't think there's any, any chance of him going. I think build around Lucas Grismo and you've got a recipe for success, I think. Absolutely. I mean, Benfica is still a very good start nonetheless. I, I can completely agree with what you mentioned, though. Uh, Charles, you know, with a superb performance in goal. When people ask me what I think the best position, what perhaps the, the, the most stacked position is in Portugal, no question in my mind, I say goalkeeper. I think part of that is due to the fact that most teams, when facing a Benfica, Porto, or Sporting, will you know sit deep and just try to soak up pressure. And that, that you know forces goalkeepers to be on their toes every time. Um, but with that being said, you know so many quality players in goal here. You know we've seen the likes of Ederson, John Oblak, and and so many other studs here. But I mean, looking at you know likes of Charles, for example, who who left. Marichimo and it was replaced by Paulo Victor, who's an, who did very well again um, against against Victoria de Guimarães. Uh, I think you mentioned Santa Clara's goalkeeper Marco Pereira. Um, you know we've mentioned we we mentioned Andre Ferreira in goal for for Passos de Ferreira. Uh, Paulo Sergio, another player who was monumental in Portimonense's win against Storiel. Um So there there are some other factors, uh, but but I, I think that. It, it is such a stacked position. And, What's and- annoying about it, though, is that if you look at the last sort of month of European fixtures, Premier League fans will think Joel Costa is not a good goalkeeper from his performance. And it was a bad performance, don't get me wrong. But he, I think, is going to be Portugal's next number one. He's got all the qualities to, to, be, to do that. But Dan, like I said, we, we got smacked by Axe and deservedly so. He's been so crucial for us, making some great saves. Not the best with his feet, obviously, and I, I think he's, he's not perfect in that regard. But he's a great shot stopper. But if he could have two in sort of, uh, um, and Helton Lieta, I think, I think they're, they're good, but I don't think they're at the level of Bucking a Dan or Gilbert Costa. Um, but I think, like you said, we're, we're so stacked in this position. It's like goalkeepers are stacked. When you look at strikers, 
<laughs> the league is, is bare bones. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, I think that part of that is due to most teams are going to play defensive and just grind out a, a draw. But, you know, one team that has sort of gone against the grain and uh, become a revelation in, in many ways, I would say, is uh, Storiel Praia. You know, they, for me, I, I'm not saying that they're like Pep's Barcelona or anything, but I think that they have, you know, shown perhaps a new way, and not a new way, but a unique way that you don't always see in Portugal. Um, based off against another one of the revelations of, of the league season so far in Portimonech, right? Playing uh, the two, two sides playing each other at the Estadio Municipal de Portimao in the Algarve today. Uh, and Estoril coming out on top, the visitors coming out on top via goals from Andre Franco and Bruno Lorenco. Bruno Lorenco. We talked a lot about Andre Franco, you know, an, another player who who is a very exciting young talent. But overall, what have you made of this Storiel team? Uh, you know, currently fourth in the league, so two points ahead of Braga, has five points behind Sporting and Porto. Um, what do you think has been so special about them this season? I think what's great about Ethereal, you can see they have a plan in place, and that's tactically, uh, and then with player recruitment as well, They've made some some great signings, and I, I can't say I watched much of the second division last year. But if you would have told me that they would have been as good as they are this year, I, I would have would have laughed probably. Um, I think they can be what Santa Clara should have been, and that's a project where you have to sort of build on instead of getting so close to the pinnacle of European football and then just stripping the whole team bare bones and getting rid of everyone. If you look at like you said, Andre Franco has been so good for them. You know, he's only he's only twenty three. And, you know, if he continues what he's doing, I, just, I can't see why he can't make the jump to a, a big three or a big four this summer. But I, I think Estoril have a plan in place. And I think keeping those players like Andre Franco is going to be what Santara should have done with, with their players that they've got rid of. I'm sort of not just taking the first paycheck you see in and getting rid of them. I really do like Estoril. And we, we managed to beat them, but I, I don't think it was, was that deserved. I, I do think they're going to be up in European competition, but if that's going to be the conference or Europa League, I, I think they're, 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 if they carry on like they have, like you said, definitely still a lot of football to be played. But I, I really thought Tondela was going to be good with the signings they made, Diego Dantas and Eduardo Cresma. But Estuela really, really surprised me. And, you know, they've got one of my all-time favourite players, Chico Gerald, you know, maybe not in terms of actual quality, but just in terms of like a human like a nice guy I, I i love him so much one of my friends actually met him in a pub in in portugal and apparently he was just really really nice really down to earth so i'm also glad that that my boy chico is, is having a good time there as well but for estoril I, I think they're going to do some damage this season and they're going to be ones to watch for, for quite a while now estoril uh really impressed with them some quality players on that team chiquinho uh andre franco chico Gerald, as you mentioned Carlos Soria at right back. Some some really exciting talents in that Storiel team. Uh, but I think the biggest star so far has been Bruno Pinheiro, the manager. Moving on to another, how do I put this, bald manager. Um, <laughs> Pepa took charge of Vitoria de Guimarães this summer, right? After his phenomenal season with Paso Sucreira, 
Um, and you know, Victoria has been a kind of kind of a so-so start to the season, but uh, currently three straight wins after losing to Benfica. Uh, they defeated Malikao, defeated Oliveira, Hospital in the Tasa de Portugal, and recently defeating Marichmo 2-1. Um, I don't know if you saw this game. I, I thought that it was another game where, you know, Marichimo, the, the, the inferior side came and soaked up pressure and defended. And you see that with Vitoria, 27 shots, Marichimo, 7. Okay, so 20 more shots uh, for, for Vitoria, who uh, took the lead in 76 minutes, finally, from Oscar Stupinian and were in the driver's seat, but conceded in the 89th minute from uh, Claudio Wink, who scored... I think an incredibly reminiscent goal of, of Tony Pulis's Stoke, you know, just like those, those aggressive throw-in header uh, goals that we saw from Rory Delop. Um So really nice bullet throw-in, you know, goal from them. But uh, just literally seconds after, seconds after the equalizer, Roshinha uh, scoring the goal in the 91st minute. To lead Vitoria to victory, I think that Vitoria are you know the team with a lot of question marks in the back four as well as goalkeeper. You know Matush Kermal versus Bruno Barella is an interesting debate with the goalkeeper. Not a lot of quality in the back four, but I think looking at midfield and attack, there is a lot of talent for for Vitoria to, for Pepa to work with that Vitoria, and you saw that with the quality just in that. Bench against against Marichmo, right? Nicolas Janvier, Andre Almeida, Thomas Andel, Ruben Lomayrich, Bruno Duarte, uh, as well as Rochinha, all on the bench for this game. I'm curious, do you think that any of these players that are on the bench should be starting? I, I know there's been some uh, controversy in midfield with, with Alfa Semedo and Andre Andre uh, starting over younger, talented players such as. Uh, such as Andre Almeida, Andel, Jean Pierre, and as well as Rochinha. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Rochinha because Marcus Edwards, who we've talked a lot about, um, once again proving proving uh, crucial in 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 Victoria's decisive winning goal. Ricardo Quaresma starting on the other flank. Rochinha though coming on and and really stealing the show to lead Victoria to victory. Do you think that any of those players? Uh, have have a shout to be in the starting lineup. I do like Adjar Meda for what I've seen seen of him. And the thing is with with Rochinha, I I really oh, it's difficult because we all love Ricardo Kresma and he is he is like the epitome of just like the the, the man footballer, like just so skillful. And there's always you bring Ricardo Kresma, it's always the what if questions. But I just don't think he has it in him to be starting for a team like you and anymore. And that it, it does pay me to say, because I, I love Kresma. He obviously came from sporting and then went to Porto and he's his undying love for Porto most days. But I think he just needs to, I don't know if it's a, a Kimo Reigns issue or just his issue. I, I think Rochinha has, has been ready to, to take over. Whereas Andre Almeida as well, I can't say to have watched a lot of games this season, but last season watching them, it was almost like a club in turmoil. Going from from Thiago, the manager, him out, going out in interviews and saying they fought plays why they didn't want. And I thought that was a shot over Ricardo Cresma, uh, especially. I, I think Gimarain's a 
they should be better what they have been. And I think look, looking at their team, like you've read out some names, but even at Maritimo, I've been really impressed with, uh, with Shadath since he's been there. I, I really think he's he's a quality footballer and will develop into uh, a good one as well. But I think the only one that should really be starting, well, only two stories should be starting, is, is Rochina and Andre Almeida. Whoever you have to take out, I don't think Mark Edwards comes out of that team. I think he's the sort of cornerstone of 50 Marines at the moment. So I'd probably say take out Charisma and, and probably Bruno Duarte for Rochina and, and Andre Almeida. Sorry, Andre Andre for Andre Almeida, respectively. Yeah, as you mentioned, well, some quality in that Medicimo team. I thought Andre Vidigal did okay for, for some some parts in attack. I do think, though, that uh, for, for me, Julio Velasquez isn't quite getting the most out of uh, out of this team. I, I feel like that, I, I don't know, for me, they've just been too defensive and, and they're playing to you know just barely stay up when they have potential for more. We'll see what happens, though. And, and of course, so, so we've gone over most of the games from this weekend. One game that we have not gone over from match day nine, though, is Porto's win against Condela. So Porto heading to the Stadio João Cardoso and taking on Tondela, um, who took the lead early on via Neto Borges, player who we've talked a lot about, Brazilian left back, having a very nice start to the season for Tondela. Uh, Porto, though, equalizing in the 20th minute from Medi Taremi. Tundela, just minutes later, going down to 10 men. Taremi giving Porto the lead right before halftime and getting his hat trick in the 91st minute. You know, this is this is right after a, a pretty, I would say, a pretty uh, underwhelming performance against Milan where Let's not let's 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 not forget he still got the assist uh, for for Luis Diaz's goal. But um, once again, Karemi coming to the rescue and and uh, leading Porto to the victory. Porto currently uh, just one point behind Benfica and level with Sporting. Talk a lot about Karemi, but but just how good is this player? For me, I think definitely the best striker in Portugal by miles. Um, not just in terms of finishing, but his positional awareness on the pitch is always top notch. You know, he reads the offside trap very well, gets into positions, offset pieces, and and corners. I, I think when you look at, I really wanted him for Sporting before we signed uh, Paulinho and before he signed for Porto. When he, I just really wanted him. He was the player who I thought. That's Aria's player to a T. That's a sporting player to a T. And he went to Porto. And, you know, we've, we've ruled up that mistake. We, we've spent $16 million on Paulinho. And I'm not going to lie to you, I, I do like Paulinho as a striker. I think for, let's say, $6 million or $8 million, Paulinho is a decent buy. To be a record striker, but having players like Taremi go for a fraction of the price, but be miles better than you, is just sad and we, we talk about Paremi I just want to give a shout out to someone who we actually mentioned when we were last on I'm not sure if you remember we said to Consistao if you play Vitinha your team is going to change you're going to play better and Vitinha is just such a good player we talk about Braganza I think in midfield future of Vitinha and Braganza is going to it's a mouth-watering proposition for not just sporting and Porto fans but all Portugal fans I think those two are so special Vitinha is, is, is the secret weapon, I think, for Porto and should be getting more game time. 
all the hype is around Luis Diaz at the moment, deservedly so. Uh, I would say world-class player, definitely, at the moment. You know, um, ever since he's joined Porto, he's been fantastic. But I would say Remy, I think he gets a lot of hate for his diving. I do think he's quite underappreciated, not just by by other fans, but by Porto fans as well. Um, but for me, Remy and Vitinho are just, just, just key players for Porto. Absolutely. I think that, you know, you mentioned it with Vitinha, right? And and Taremi, the fact that he joined from Pioab for just what, just a fraction of the price for what uh, Sporting paid for Paulinho. And Paulinho, as you mentioned, he's had some good games. But overall, I don't think he's anywhere close to making up the, 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 the money that they spent on him, especially given his age. Um, another very underwhelming performance at the weekend. Really, just been so many games this season where Sporting could have easily put it, put the match away, you know, gone up two nothing, three nothing, four nothing, but were were in the fight until the last minute because of Paulinho's lack of efficiency. You know, obviously not the only issue with the Sporting team, but uh, for me, it's definitely like the major issue. Sorry, sorry. he's been a flop. He's but been a flop. Yeah. I was just saying, like, even if we yeah. had. Cody Martinez, before. Right. he's a fantastic striker instead of Paulinho, I think. And this is not, don't get me wrong, this is not like a bash Paulinho segment to the show. I just think that Tony Martinez is better, if not the same level at the moment. Even Ivan Ilsen, who they've got, doesn't play a lot, I think is a fantastic striker. I think they've got really good striking options off the bench as well. And I think it's just a testament to the depth they have, especially up top of water. So they have plenty of depth. That's one thing we mentioned. Evan Nielsen actually, you know, playing a bit of, of football lately. Has uh, started the past two games for Porto over Tony Martinez, who who uh, was relegated to an unused substitute in the recent match. Evan Nielsen, uh, actually, no, four, I believe, past four. So we'll be interesting to see what happens. I completely agree, though. Vikinia. You mentioned another masterclass in midfield. Have to give some credit as well to Fabio Vieira, who came off the bench and got himself an assist. Two phenomenal Olival made talents. And overall, it's going to be a very, very mouthwatering uh, league season uh, in, in, in Portugal. You know, so much, so much drama in the top three, as well as everyone else. Um, some really interesting games coming up. Porto going up against Boavista, Storiel uh, against Benfica, Sporting taking on Vitoria Guimarães. Very interesting weekend coming up. Without any further ado, I want to get into the count of the week section, close off today's episode. And I am going to go to, to today's derby uh, between Gil Vicente and Braga. So Gil Vicente taking on Braga in Barcelos and you know, some some interesting names on both sides. Samuel Lino, uh, Kanye Fujimoto, two players we've talked a lot about on Gil Vicente. Uh, once again, impressing. Braga, on the other hand, some, you know, some some players we've grown accustomed to, such as Diogo Leite, Almusrati, Ricardo Horta. But one one new face who definitely caught my eye was Vitor Oliveira, 21 years old, started for the first time in the Primera and got an early goal in the fourth minute to lead Braga to a one nothing victory. Vitor Oliveira, you know, get, getting the start was a bit of a surprise to me, but, but obviously he paid off Carlos Carvalho's confidence with, with a massive 
performance. Center forward has been quite of a, a question mark for Braga, as well as other positions, but but definitely center forward, right? We've seen uh, Abel Ruiz, who, who came over from Barcelona as part of the Francisco Trincao deal. Ruiz recently got a call-up to the Spain national team squad, but uh, frankly, I haven't been that impressed with him this season. I think that he's you know lacking a lot. As well as his compatriot, um, Mario Gonzalez, who you know, we thought would be the answer, came from the Villarreal after a phenomenal loan spell at Tondela. And, and you know, Mario as well has, has struggled big time. So I believe that neither Mario Gonzalez nor Abel Ruiz have scored a goal so far for Baraga this season. Or actually, no, I, Abel scored that, that, that goal against Sporting in like the second match day. Since then, he has not scored for Braga. Um, so since August 14th. So both those Spaniards being left on the bench today. And 21-year-old Portuguese forward Vitor Oliveira right, coming out of the academy and uh, leading them to victory. Um, Vitor had previously scored in a friendly against Villarreal and had played uh, briefly against Santa Clara and Sporting, but um, you know, being rewarded with a start and, and leading Braga to victory. Braga currently fifth. What What is your take on the center forward situation at Braga? Because this is something that we've been talking about, not just this season, but, but last season as well. You know, that they clearly needed a center forward. They got one with Mario Gonzalez. But right now, I, I don't know, perhaps Vitor Oliveira could establish himself as a strongest option. Yeah, um, what you were saying about get like rewarding people with starts. I think Carlos Carvajal is a great man manager. He gives opportunities to people who deserve it. And like we've all seen the hype with uh, with Roger coming in, fifteen years old. But I think it's something that Carvajal has taken a lot of places, even in England, where he was there. He he does give the people opportunities to to sort of progress and to shine. And I think he does that really well. And ever since he's taken over Braga, you know, taking over from out. Marine's job was no sort of easy task, but I think he's done a phenomenal job. And I think, like you said, getting Vitor Oliveira um, the start was it was definitely a good, good shout. But I do think they're going to, I think Abel Ruiz is, is going to kick on. And I, I do think the same with um, with Mario. I think they're, they're both, they both obviously got the talent we've seen it in previous seasons. I think maybe it's just a, a lack of confidence or a lack of form. I, I think, I think Mario, uh, was was like you said, fantastic for Condella. He's one that I actually wanted at Sporting. I think they signed him for like two point five million, which is was not a lot of money, um, especially considering the the sales Braga made from sort of January last year to the summer. So Carvajal has a plan in place, and it's, it's he's a good manager. I, I don't like him because he's at Braga, and that's the only reason who I said I don't really like Carvajal, but. I think, like I said, a great man manager, and I feel like he's someone that, he, as a footballer, you'd want to play for. Especially, you know, people have dreams of like players of Benfica and Porto and Sporting. But as a young talent, I think you should be setting sights on Braga to progress because because that's that's what they do. And I think I think it's the sort of Braga philosophy as well as just Carlos Carvajal of, of giving youngsters opportunities. And I think they have a, a great plan in place. And I think Oliver is is probably next on that plan. Absolutely. Uh, who is your talent of the week, Sam? There is actually a lot of players you could give it to. 
And I'm I'm gonna be biased. I'm gonna admit. I'm just gonna go straight in for Daniel Braganza. Uh, I think that was a, a perfect game for him. I, I was gonna either pick him or Charles. Um, I thought he was was fantastic in in keeping Benfica at bay for for 96 minutes, which is incredible, incredible stat in general. But for me, Braganza is just shown that he's got the quality and he's going to progress and he's going to be someone who we talk about for the next 10 years. You know, midfielders can go, especially centre midfielders can go for about 36, 37, especially the sort of world-class ones that we've seen over the years, like I mentioned, um, Iniesta, Pirlo, all of these players that are aged like final one. I think Braganza is just getting better and better with age. He might not have been ready for last season. You know, John Mario was, was there. Um, and it was between John Mario and Matthews Nunes and Braganza was sort of the afterthought. I think he's ready to take over and Braganza is, is 100% my talent of the week. Daniel Braganza, potentially the long-term answer uh, to João Mario in midfield for Portugal and Sporting. We shall see. Another phenomenal uh, performance from him at the weekend. I'm uh, really excited to see if he starts in Sporting's next league match against Vitoria. Without any further ado, thank you so much, Sam. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. As always, guys, make sure to check out Sporting 160 EM. They have some great content and analysis on sporting. Uh, and, of course, hope to have you on again, Sam, uh, in the near future. Without any further ado, thank you so much to everybody for, for tuning in. Um, and also, make sure to check out BTL's exclusive interviews uh, over the past week with Berna Gosasi the uh, first female president in Super League history, as well as my exclusive interview for BTL on with, with Philip Michael, uh, which we just released today. Thank you so much, Sam, once again. No, thank you for having me on. It's a, it's, it's a pleasure and I had a great time.